Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. America, this is the Adult Swim Podcast, Rick and Morty Companion Edition. I'm Matt Harrigan. With me, Maxime Simonet. Yes, ever the professional, what's the term? What's up, homies, and welcome back to the Rick and Morty Podcast. Of course, we're all here today. Rick and Morty 409, we're talking about tonight, Childrick of Mort. Gathered here in our virtual world, we've got the guy who wrote it, James Siciliano. James, welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to not be here. Lead background designer, Robbie Irwin. Welcome, Robbie. Thank you for having me. Hello. Lead post supervisor, David Marshall. Hey, everybody. We might get Kyung Hee Lim, the director. We'll see. I, I just got a text from her that says, if it's a good enough podcast episode, she's going to drop in. So <laughs> oh, we'll see how good. we do. All right. <laughs> it, it's, it's up to the listeners. Call and ask your questions. 708-794-6386. We get lots of bad questions. People are confused. People call in. They can't believe they've gotten through, and they panic, and they hang up. Well, that sounds uh, good. This is yeah. the Happens Rick and Morty... to the best of us. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's the Rick and Morty Companion Podcast Live. Let's get some questions. Here we go. Episode 409, Rick and Morty. The family comes back. We've got Summer. We've got Jerry. We've got Beth. What does the title mean? Alfonso Cuaron, Children of Men, Coincidence. Tell Who can tell us about the title? Uh, well, right? yeah, yeah, I mean, I picked the title. I think maybe people think we, I mean, we have fun coming up with titles. Uh, usually, <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, we try to put Rick's name in there and Morty's name in there. Uh, this one, I was going for something that had children in it uh, because obviously Rick fucks the planet and has a civilization of Ricklets. Uh it was more, yeah, Children of Men is what I was going for, but obviously the plot is different than Children of Men. Um, so it was more just looking for a uh, misleading use of children in a title. The titles often have, all, or let me rephrase that, always have nothing to do with the plot or sometimes. Not always, definitely Walk not us through always. the title selection process. Yeah, now I'm curious. I, the first half of of the season, uh, for the first half of four, there was a day where I know for part of the day we pitched on titles, uh, which was very funny. Uh, and this back half, I think we just kind of the the sometimes the writers pitch pitch on them. Sometimes uh, the writer themselves will pick one. It really depends on the episode. Um, for my episodes, I personally just give them temporary names until they stick. Uh, and then I will name them. Uh, so that's my process personally. But when do you, yeah, it depends on the episode. When's Sometimes the temporary we, name come in normally? Is it when you this, start the this first was, the This script? one was called, the production, it, it, this one was called Baby Planet. Uh, so, uh, and then like the earlier one in the season was just called Space Snakes. 
Um, so in production, we typically just give them production names and very last minute. And sometimes like, we're like, Oh wait, what do we call this episode? Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I don't e I honestly don't even like never ricking Morty. I had to like look up what the actual name of that one was. You're that right. one was just, yeah, that one was way. just called train. And mm -hmm. then, uh, I'm trying to think Glorzo was Glorzo. Uh, that was VAT. This one's baby planet. And I will not say. <laughs> wow. Well, most people aren't uh, aware of the title of a show. Do you? Th but I mean, unless you read it in the TV guide, like right. it doesn't. Do you like think people are do. more? Are people more <laughs> or less aware of episode titles in the year 2020, which is when this is taking place? Whew. That is a question for someone else. I I do not. <laughs> I I'm not aware of titles, but I think that's part of why we have fun with them. I think that that helps. You know, is like we just kind of give them funny and silly uh, names, and and a lot of times they do have to do like vestigially some way with the episode. But uh, sometimes more than order, more than less. Sometimes they have a lot to do with it. We got someone on the phone with us in the meantime. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Logan from uh, Virginia. Hi, Logan. And hey, Logan. My son's here with me. Uh, Hi. So we just wanted to, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> he's, he's old enough. He, uh, we wanted to say that uh, the, the episodes for these last five have been ramping up, and this one was one of our favorite ones, so they've been getting better and better, seemingly. Um, I was right. curious, because we, we haven't seen a lot of, like, um, continuity episodes aside from like evil morty and i was wondering if there was anything in this one that we should keep our eyes peeled for i mean my my take on that would be like this season doesn't have an insane amount of serialization as certainly compared to season three which the family got the parents got divorced uh and that was a lot like there was a lot of more serialization in that uh i would say as far as like story goes like this this one kind of touches on where we started season four which was beth and jerry were like happily married uh and rick was in a low status position and this you know we're getting into the end of the season and this kind of episode where it, it kind of questions where beth and jerry are at in their relationship beth kind of bails on jerry very quickly to go right back into the abandonment issues she has with Rick and they have a pretty good bonding moment there. Um, so it has a little bit to do with just the season of where is Rick going to end this? Is he going to be back on top? Is, is Beth and Jerry going to be happy? Like uh, that, that's kind of the, what I would be looking for. And with the kids as well, right? Like uh, their, yeah. uh, their shared dynamic between, you know, not just, uh, you know, themselves, but their parents and then also Rick, right? Yeah, yeah. Getting a little, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and how they treat Jerry. And yeah, I mean, you know, maybe they should be hanging out a little bit less with Rick. Who knows? Right. <laughs> uh, Summer, Summer lays it down pretty hard on Jerry there. Which is really rough because the first time reading the script, really I was rough. like thrown off. I was like, why is she treating everyone, him so mean? Yeah. Everyone mentions yeah. it. It was like, so <laughs> cruel. <laughs> It's mean. Yeah. We, yeah. you know, we added a little bit more high roading in there in the beginning uh, uh, on Jerry's part, but yeah, she, she, you know, it's, it's a little mean. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a little teenage angst coming out. Yeah. And at the end, Jerry just comes back and is like, Oh, oh well. And she's like, really? Are you, are you, sure, are you sure this is okay? 
Well, it was, was kind of <laughs> nice. It seemed like everyone ended up the opposite of where they started morally yeah. on their issues. Is it important? Yeah. Do you guys feel like you have to have, like you have to bring the family into episodes or do you feel pressure to not do solely sort of Rick and Morty centric episodes? People seem to be chatting about the fact that the family, we hadn't seen much of the family. Now we do. Is that a conscious decision or just happenstance? Uh, you know, we, we in the room, we, we do think about trying to service uh, all the characters. Uh, it is Rick and Morty, so we, we tend to try and get those stories. Uh, first and foremost, typically a Rick story will be on the A side, an A story, um, but not always. Um, but yeah, it was really fun to get the whole family together in an episode i mean i don't know if we've done like a full off-world adventure with the family before i don't think so um but it's we do try to include everybody but you know we at the end of the season usually when we're writing we're like okay have we had enough stories with all the characters uh and should we pitch on more uh we think about it you're on the line with the rick and morty companion podcast we're talking about planet fuckers What's your name? Where are you calling from? Oops, sorry, I talked it's over you. Alicia Weatherwolf in Michigan, um, and I'm I'm calling because I noticed a lot of anger entangled with the farming of the planet bastard children. You guys wrote in, and I was wondering how that has to reflect your um, existential uh, worldview. Alrighty, thank you, Alicia. How does this? How does the? Uh, I was going to ask that. I'm glad she did. Yeah. How does that reflect your existential? And you guys can all talk a little on this, because I'm sure you're all existentialist. Yeah. Speaking as an existentialist, <laughs> um, I think uh, you know, uh, just uh, I guess just speaking personally, yeah. Like you see, you know, uh, all the these ricklets—they're just blank templates, like we all are at some point in our lives and we're put through this machine that seems in many ways designed toward specific outcomes. You know what I mean? If you're uh, geared a certain way mentally, you're going to wind up a poet or an architect or an existentialist or a podcaster, right? Absolutely. Yes, those are the options. Well, when it it came to uh, uh, presenting uh the 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 world of ricklets robbie and the tubes mm-hmm. that they go through mm-hmm. uh where are you where are you coming from in trying to make that as uh stripped bare in a blank slate itself i don't know i'm pushing too much onto it but the tubes that they live and go through where, where are you coming from when well, you were going the, making that yeah the initial direction of the, the pitch we got to this uh design launch was it supposed to be like a giant pachinko machine so and that's all I remember is a giant pachinko machine. So I had to look into what pachinko machines were because I've never played them myself. Planko, and, man. Yeah, yeah. It and is then, Planko, yeah. Yeah. Oh, is it Planko? Uh, no, 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 no. Right. No. It was pachinko. Okay. Okay. But it's basically, okay. it's Planko. With video yeah. screens. It was pachinko, yeah. Yeah. It's both. Yeah, it's both. And so in doing that, we had to figure out how we are going to engineer this machine to catch all these ricklets and then incorporate the idea of this giant pachinko machine and this, this system that organizes all the ricklets. And uh, that's with every episode is trying to problem solve and engineer 
how we can make this work with the narrative that's going on and and make it kind of logical but uh and uh like hyper uh realized i guess in uh, uh, sci-fi at the same time and um that's one of the pleasures of working on the show but it's also one of the hardest parts of designing for the show it's just trying to problem solve how are we going to make this look like workable to fit within the narrative and yet still uh keep it <laughs> uh, simplified to the point we can make it uh on the make it in within the time frame of the production so and then that goes with back into the world to itself and designing that i was telling someone the other day is we're, we try to take something that is relatable like this it's stuff the planet itself, the trees, the ground plane and everything. We try to take that and make it relatable in something that we, you know, you recognize, but then also different because we go to so many different places and locations that it feels new. And so it, you're always playing that balance of, of experimentation of what works and what doesn't. And it, with this, with this particular planet was like, it was all about the camping and then the pachinko machine and so it was just trying to make that feel relatable, but also new and uh, sci-fi. Yeah, I think this season we went to, like, uh, whenever we go off-world, we're seeing a, a lot of really different stuff. Like, uh, you look at, like, the uh, the planet uh, for uh, the toilet episode, mm -hmm. you know, versus this camp place. It feels much more sort of, you know, self-contained and... Uh, like, you have to sell it as, like, a, a person, too, right? Because it's Gaia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like can, you guys, can you hear me? Oh, oh hi, Kim. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Lou. Lim. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, hi. You've worked on some of the most famous animated shows ever. You know what? Everybody's so genius. Yeah. Uh huh. Come on. I love everybody. So. <laughs> Bob's Burgers, Family Guy, King of the Hill. Now this. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm pretty much a lucky. Lucky You're person. Lucky. Yeah. You um, think it's just I luck? know the yeah uh i don't know it's very lucky i just gonna wake up sometimes from my bed and uh, what happened to me and, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's exactly. how i feel too yeah. yes no okay, no fine. think about it just you guys is gonna oh. just breathe like um breathe english like a breathe like air but me whenever i just got the script even i already told james um three times till i understood everything <laughs> If yeah. I don't understand anything at all, I can't, I can't even start. So. <laughs> oh, I'm proud of myself. I did myself. Oh, yes. I'm pretty much there an animal person. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, I can hear you guys. I can see you guys, but I don't know what's going on. When you look, when you look at this episode, do you look back on it fondly? Do you look back on it with dread? What are your emotions? You know what? Funny thing is, this one is actually the most one of the very uh normal episode i'm so sorry james but um, yeah you know what um we go back to season three when i just started as a storyboard artist it was just kind of my jaws dropped what the heck is this what are they thinking about this this is this is too huge you know what when I it's just very big no when I just yeah exactly just when i just watch some family guy Something is just really shocked, but this one is more than that. It's not even, not even close. But you know what? I totally, I love. I just, I'm pretty much slow person, and I just kind of working on King of the Hill. At first, okay, I don't have any place to go, so I need to draw this kind of ugly drawing. 
But after two weeks later, I really love this show. This one is the same thing. It's just, you know what? It's so genius. I, I love that. And I'm so proud because I'm so old. Um, I have grew up with, I have grew with, um, grew up with this totally different culture in Korea. And then, but I just totally proud of myself either. Okay. Oh, you should be nice. proud. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm so uh, lucky. Uh, this was a great yeah. episode for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I just, I love that. I, I really love that. It's my first lovely show to me. You're on the line right now with the Rick and Morty Companion Podcast. We're talking about this episode. Hi. So my name is Gabby. I've been watching Rick and Morty since the beginning, and I absolutely love it. I just kind of want to know, because I study in animation, how do you guys come up with such crazy and fun ideas? How do you wow. come up with such crazy and fun ideas? You mean from the aesthetic point of view or even just the writing? From the from every point of view, like the creatures that are created, for example, bringing Zeus into the show was was a brilliant idea, and it was just interesting to watch. So how do you come up with that idea? All righty. Thanks so much for the question. Yeah. I'm going to piggyback on that, too. I had a question about Zeus. Uh, is there a larger narrative that Zeus's are a race? Uh well, to be determined, uh, it, it well, certainly Max, would seem on, that don't they're... Don't ruin it for everyone. Well, I'm just, they say he's a Zeus, as if God Zeus, really exists, and yeah. there are Zeuses. And was that something are there that gods, was... Are there gods in the multiverse? You would you would think so, right? Yes. I mean, Rick Rick has called himself a god, and it's he fought a god. Uh, he references that there's a god, uh, and that Zeus is just a Zeus, uh, but... Uh, yeah, I, I think that there certainly could be gods in the multiverse. Um, and as far as just, yeah, coming up with ideas, it's we pitch a lot of ideas and a lot of stuff gets thrown away. A lot of stuff gets shelved until we can use it later, until we find the right way to use it. Space Snakes was an idea from season three that we found a way to crack it open in season four. Uh, it's it's just a, there's just a lot of a lot of ideas we talk about a ton of stuff uh at least on the writing side and then the art side is just mind-blowing what you guys do it's just crazy uh the amount and i'll just let you guys talk but the amount of character designs and art and art and props and stuff that we get as options to use not even what we pick just the options are unbelievable it's so cool uh, it's it's so cool. Like the stuff that we write, the art gets so elevated. Uh, I'll let you guys talk on that. But no, it's, it's cool. yeah, it's it's amazing how many sketches we get through on each launch for every episode. It's hundreds of drawings between characters, a background, some props, and uh, the stuff that comes out. You're like, oh my god, I wish we could use this, but it ends up sometimes getting you know changed, altered for the better but there's so many interesting ideas and it's just a combination of sketching and, and bouncing ideas off of everybody. And that's, what's great about this crew is that we're able to like pitch an idea to the art director or the lead and say, Hey, this might work for the shot. What does the director think? What do the writers think? And then it's just uh, one of the greatest collaboration uh, I've ever worked in, but it's well, just a process of sketching and sketching and sketching. How does the filtering work internally for like, you, Robbie, and Kyunghee, when it comes to, like you mentioned, backgrounds, elements, or, you know, props that don't look like they'd work technically. How do you guys decide that 
and then filter what ends up being sent to you know actually um that is kind of something we everybody is this work kind of puzzling you know what nobody's mm. perfect so everybody's got their own parts and then sometimes we need to just uh, we need to go in the writer's head and then swapping what he just expected and what he's thinking about it and then so usually the um designers is kind of pre-designed with the writer first and then we just trying to use that one sometimes it's kind of we have a, a better idea on and then the last work and then something so we always kind of discuss it together and then just kind of i can take the good idea and then they can take yeah maybe just kind of just a little shift whatever something this is yeah so it's kind of puzzling that is the best answer i think yeah. 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 Because a lot of the pre-design will go out. We'll have the the board launch, and the writers sometimes James will say, "Well, this worked, but I kind of imagine it better this way." And they'll just go through a bunch of different revisions, and um, we might start off at one point and completely end up on the polar opposite. But it always ends up being something really cool. And then at the end of it all, when when uh, David comes in, when he's doing all the post and the animation and that, he does stuff that I've seen that just completely makes that even better so i mean if he wants to talk about that i'd love to hear some of that hey if uh, i can brag can i brag about you you helped put together the rick and morty simpsons couch gag oh uh yeah yeah i did yeah okay yeah uh, that was a that was a ton of fun to work with and you know uh i mean it's the simpsons right like dream come true right you know um but anyway uh getting back to what robbie was saying as far as like wanting things to feel real or practical in some way you know that's that's really how we try and approach things on our end we've we've got our script we've got you know all of the director's notes and everything like that um and uh when the show comes back from our amazing animation studio in canada bardell entertainment shout out to bardell um after that stuff comes back and uh we take a look at it we get everybody's notes and you know, uh, we're always just really trying to push the character stuff that's already existing in the script, you know, trying to make sure that characters are interacting with each other in a believable way and a way that um, can sometimes, you know, sometimes there's a lot going on in a in one scene, you know what I mean, like Rick and Morty can be in a scene, but it's actually Beth and Summer who are having the interaction. And so it's trying to keep everyone alive and looking like, you know, like they ought to and interacting with each other in the way that they should. Um, and then when there's like special effects work and stuff like that, like uh, in this episode, we had that glow around Zeus. We've got um, a lot of blood effects. We've got lava. We've got all kinds of stuff uh, going on. And, uh, you know, we try and approach that stuff. We're like, this looks great. This is working. Can we lift that up? Can we, you know, really emphasize like, so the, the glow around Zeus, when we got it back from uh, our talented and amazing animation studio, Bardell Entertainment, um, we just really wanted to push. This is a moment, you know, when Rick's gone up to the clouds and they're going to have a showdown now. This is, this is it. This is what we've been building up to since, since the end of act two, you know, this is, we're here, we're going to get to see 
Rick fight a god or whatever, right? So we need those stakes to be high. He needs to feel divine. He needs to feel, you know, like this is not going to be an easy fight for Rick, who we've seen, you know, do impossible things over and over and over again. Like you, you still want there to be some tension there. You still want to be able to, you know, say, ah, oh, man, Rick really done done it this time. Uh, so yeah, that's that's how we approach that kind of stuff. This might be nerdy inside baseball talk, but do you guys have like procedurally generated liquid physics stuff that you guys use? I've been I've been really into checking out like the way the streaks work in the water in the river when Jerry was like being pushed down it. Yeah, those are um, uh, some really amazing uh, hand drawn effects wow. uh, that are done. We're really lucky to have some very talented artists um working on that stuff uh we do keep a library of uh some effects some if, if we find something that we like the look of particularly it's always nice to have that in your back pocket for when you get uh you know a very late rewrite that needs to take place in uh some sort of ironworks foundry or mm -hmm. you know takes place in uh you know uh some other crazy battlefield where you're going to need all, all kinds of explosions and lasers and stuff. And you're just not going to have time to draw that stuff purpose just for this one very quick thing. Uh, so yeah, we do keep a library of some stuff. Speaking of that fight scene, at what point in the process was it decided that not only would it be kind of a longer, just straight up fist bite, but that it wouldn't even have music. I, I think that's that's the production because like I you know we we as writers like to try and let the artist go nuts as we say uh, and this was certainly like they get in a fight here's a couple here's a couple things that they could do but it's really just amazing to see it come out and how long it went on for did did, did you specify in like stage direction there's no music it's just I didn't, but I, I I think the only direction I I had I maybe I don't know if it was in the script or just verbally was just that I wanted it to feel like brutal and almost low tech yeah. that it was like a fist fight between two dads like like in a in a in a, in a baseball parking lot or a softball game like yeah. I, I wanted it to just feel uh, almost non sci fi uh, mm -hmm. because it was just two dads uh, yeah. bad two bad dads right. Um, right. So street fight kind of a yes. street fight, yeah. Yeah. Just for the man's pride. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's from yeah, from their child, yes, children's. Sure. Yeah. How'd you how do you then <laughs> how do you then then rope all, everyone in to kind of make that seem as visceral as it was? How did you how did you uh, orchestrate communicating that to everyone who was working on the episode? Uh, sometimes we have uh, our own um, question, and then sometimes we have the two big or three times one big huge meeting. But whenever we got some question, and then just we jumping around. And sometimes ask Jane. Sometimes Robbie's kind of fidgeting us, and then yeah, and then everybody just yeah. We got someone on the phone right now. I believe they're from New York. Oh, wow. oh yes, uh, this is Avi from New York. Uh, the show has had fancy elements in the past, but there's going to be more this season. Fantasy. And I was wondering, not fancy, if, fancy or fantasy? Uh, Come on, Avi. My question is for James. Okay. Do you and the writers discuss how much fantasy you should put in the show, and will we see more stuff like uh, the Zeus fight and the dragon episode in the future? 
Uh, fantasy. We, we don't, I mean, we don't outwardly say we need a little bit more fantasy this season. Uh, we, yeah, uh, we obviously we, we, we like to put it in. I mean, we do try to steer more towards sci-fi than fantasy. Uh, I think it's, it's more in our wheelhouse. Uh, but as far as like a quota or like what we think we might need in the future or in a season, the helicopter goes by. Uh, we, um, I would say it just depends. It really depends on the episode and the season. Uh, but certainly, I mean, fantasy ideas get pitched and discussed and sometimes they start fantasy and wind up becoming more sci-fi or the other way around. I think one of the really great things about just the premise of the show is that like, and, and Rick has said things to this sort of direction before, but that like in an infinite universe, like all, all that fantasy shit is Mm sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Rick also doesn't, at least by his own admission, doesn't respect fantasy, doesn't respect magic. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's yet, something yet, that he has to encounter to have. Yet like, he's still right. It. Exactly, he's still. It's still part of the the world, so to speak, the universe, the multiverse. It it it, it is something that exists. And that dynamic between his hard sci-fi shit and uh, uh, <laughs> all the fantasy stuff, I like uh, some of that stuff is is my favorite stuff for sure. Well, we got it's a caller fun. on the line. Oh, oh I'm, uh, I'm Trenton Young from uh, New Orleans. The, the <laughs> ship that they discovered um, when they were um, looking around, when they were, what, what was that stuff she was um, huffing out of the <laughs> bong-looking apparatus? Like, that's the, the collective, only question the, I what, what, she, what she believed yeah. was the collective knowledge of their species. Uh, I think it was like yeah, brake fluid or exhaust or something though? like that. What species was that? Asked the caller. And is that oh. something you guys know? Is there little background lore shit like that that you track in a giant side Bible called the Bible? Uh, for that particular one, I'm not sure. I mean, certainly there's skeletons of the pilots that if you want to go back and take a look at, you might be able to do some reverse engineering and come up with a story there. Um, but, you know, in an early draft, in an early draft, I had had that ship be like, seekers and they yeah. had like painted uh, clouds and like a like had painted in blood like visions of like oh, yeah, the Zeus was, cloud yeah. on mm-hmm. the wall uh and there was in a in the previous in an early version it was like maybe that they had crashed while looking for a god uh on the planet we simplified it a little bit to kind of open up what they could have crashed there for but who knows yeah <clears throat> yeah the art exists. Great question. Yeah. Yeah. Ratwall in chat asks, how much, if any, discussion was had about the question, how do you fuck a planet? Oh. Mm. <laughs> uh, this had to have come up, right? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Walk I don't those discussions. I don't know if we discussed as much how do you fuck a planet as you can fuck a planet. Certainly you can. There was a scene early that got cut. Yeah. yeah. Storyboards <laughs> where, Rick, where we saw how Rick fucked the planet. Yeah. Um, it, walk us through that scene that was cut. <laughs> and, and why was it cut? 
<laughs> timing. Really unnecessary timing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Young Hee, you wanted to walk them through that scene or? Uh, Ew. You... <laughs> yeah. I bet. Didn't we just like, we uh, didn't cut to like Rick rolling over and he was by an orifice that he just finished. Yeah. 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 And his his kids were there serenading him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We're just like, yeah. yeah. After that, he just, yeah. Just got this cigarette. Yeah. Well, in that similar vein, though, you still show the planet's kind of cervix thing. How much yeah. of a discussion about that being SMP appropriate and how many, what kind of ideas were thrown out for that at first that maybe helped us get to the hole we have today? We definitely get plenty of SMP notes. I deal with all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they were, they were pretty cool about this one. You know, uh, I think whatever uh, you're, you know, drawing or reading into that hole, that's on you. How do you deal with people in real life when they come up and they find out you work on the show? Do they freak out? Yeah, sometimes. What do they say? Uh, sometimes they want to give you a hug. I don't know if you guys have gotten that, but they want to give you a hug um, or take pictures. And I'm like, I just draw on the show. <laughs> really, it's really, really not that important. But, you know, it's it's humbling, you know, to think that we work on something that, that this many people like. And I think yeah. that. That makes me feel really good, and I, I uh, I'm proud of that. That it touches so many people in, in so many ways, yes. you know. I don't Agreed. let it slip. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, yeah. I move through the world like a ghost. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, but but what's really interesting is like walking behind people, and I realize, oh, they're talking about Rick and Morty. They're talking about uh. that episode that we just finished, and hearing their reactions and stuff. That's 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 really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I think my favorite is the the secretive observation of people enjoying it. That, mm-hmm. That's that's the best thing is when you just are observing people mm-hmm. enjoying the show. Uh, and honestly, the people that I've interacted with that are fans have been really awesome. So mm-hmm. it, it's been fu- it's fun to see. There's a review I saw wrench mentioned the rare dynamic of Morty acting like a little brother, mm-hmm. referring to his sister. Hmm. Is that a conscious choice in the script? Or is that just something that comes up? Uh, you know, Morty and Summer's relationship is, I, I, I mean, I love, I love Summer too. I mean, she's just such a cool character, but their, their relationship really is very, it is unique in the show and that obviously they can bust each other's balls and be sci-fi and crazy, but really they do probably have the most normal realistic interaction between the two of them. I mean, like they are a brother and sister, they fight uh, and, and talk to each other. I mean, you know, even back to season one, when Morty, you know, shows summer, the bodies in the backyard, uh, they have, they have some of the most real like family moments, I think in the show. Uh, It, so was it a conscious choice to, to kind of have that come out? Not, not particularly while I was writing. It just, it fits with family going on a vacation though. I mean, I, I think about when I, you know, going on vacation with my brother and you're kind of trapped in a situation when you're, when you're with your family. Um, so. How many on the animation end of it? Um, there is some of that stuff that we try and play up if like, so, so in the story, 
uh, uh, Summer's the one that that initiates them leaving the campsite and going off on their own, trying to find Rick. So she's the one that's made that decision. That's a very big sister kind of decision. And so you can sort of play up that aspect without hitting it on its head going, Hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm the little brother. You're, you know, my older sister by like having characters. So summer needs to leave the scene before Morty does. He needs to be falling behind her when, when Rick or uh, when, when she's talking to Jerry, he needs to be reacting, but, she needs to be the focus of the scene. Keeping him in the background emphasizes that 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 little brother aspect of it. And I think that th- that like those kinds of aspects to it, um, to the acting and to just just straight up just simple editing stuff, um, I, I, I think really plays up that kind of character stuff. That makes sense. Uh, what was the development process? visually for the uh, primordial earth children and what's the noise they say when they come out i am i, I am, am. I am. Oh, somebody I in chat said it's edible yeah. i am <laughs> they looked like gingerbread back to the ex- uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, gingerbread. back to the existential yes. yeah mm-hmm. gumby gumby very gumby like very uh uh fl- like fl- yeah flat gumby earth yeah. earth clay people so Jay- One of the directions was uh, they should look like they came out of a like a cookie cutter or or something, right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And they they had like sharper edges at one point. We had to soften everything up so it was easier to to animate and stuff. But thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? They had sharper edges, and it's a pain it's to like, animate. Like it, walk it us is. That. What do you mean? Well, David, we have to expand on it. But like initially, their design had a lot of hard corners and edges to them in the the initial designs. But David, I, you can explain better on how it's hard to animate versus sure. a rounded surface. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, things that are round. Uh, all right, so fucking stupid technical shit. This is why <laughs> nobody has us on because we have to. No, that's why we're here. So, so uh, Lay it on us. It, uh, Rick and Morty is a vector-based puppet show. So, uh, so like, you take a hand, right? So. Uh, the, the palm here and this is going to be really bad for the audio portion of the podcast right okay so uh you've got your, your the palm if you're your listening hand, to it, this right now picture a palm so the palm is one part the thumb is going to be one part and the thumb is going to be broken into this joint and this joint right so if something is round and it has to bend then it's going to look more natural than if it's a hard edged um if it's hard edged you're going to see things like seams and it's just going to look digital. It's not going to look good when it's moving. That's the simple answer. (laughs) (laughs) So the original characters were sharp. It's sharper edges. Yeah. Somebody detects that and says, you have to change everything. Yeah. I think it was Bardell. Correct me if I'm wrong, David, but I think it was Bardell said, yeah, this is going to be impossible to, to, to animate all these guys and, and make it feel good. Uh, There's so many. Right. That's, that was the biggest challenge for the episode Mm -hmm. was just how much you have on screen for Mm -hmm. every shot. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you wrangle the compositions of crowds to make sure the focus goes in the right place? Because there's a lot of big, lots of people in some shots in Rick and Morty every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, we really, you know, uh, uh, 
Kyunghee uh, and her fantastic board team, like we're we're really just following what they're doing. Like that's that's always the note that I'm giving out to the team is like, let's look at the boards and see what it is we were going for originally. Why didn't we get there? Um, so whenever there's an adjustment, that's that's really you know sort of our our north star is what the directors are trying to do. So Kyunghee. Yeah, that's just actually the first time when I just got the script and then um, the supervising director's OS said, can you do it? Can you, can you do it, this one? I just gonna, just, just didn't say anything. And then, <laughs> I don't know. And then stop it. Just, I'll tell, I'll tell James. And then James, yes, finally to just rearrange it. And then I ask him, so how many times did you wrote this? And then he said five times. Yep. <laughs> and then, yeah. Five, and then, five rewrites before it went out. Yeah. So okay, finally it's it works. And then, then Bardell is complaining every single episode. <laughs> it's too crowded. Yeah. We can't do that. Sometimes I just got really pissed. And then why don't we just give this show to the other overseas? And then yeah, and it's kind of something like this. But Anyway, we need to do, okay, we need to do this when it's very last work and very effective. So sometimes we need to just avoid really, really huge crowd things, anything. So my love, uh, the first lovely shot is just kind of after the regulars just kind of shoot to the air and then fall down to the uh, crater. Then let's try to just kind of showing the, what they looks like and then that is very effective. They're not human things. That is the my favorite part. And then after just kind of act two, so many reckless and then generalists is kind of start fighting, just trying to wide shot for everybody. And then we don't need to throw every single stuff. So yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, yeah. uh, you can really do a lot by just clearly setting up the geography to mm -hmm. start with you, right you establish the crowd and then you show where each of the different That's crowds exactly. are yes. and then you don't have to show it every single shot you don't need That's to it. see 20 different ricklets fighting in the background mm -hmm. every single shot you can you know choose your battles where is it going to give us the most bang for the buck absolutely mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember the fourth, I think the fourth draft that I, I let production, usually we let them read an early draft sometimes. And, and I remember Mendel, Mike Mendel, may he rest in peace, pulling me into his office and saying, uh, this is not producible. This is not producible. Uh, we can't make this. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, so in. in what do you mean? He pulls you in and he says you can't do it? Meaning it's Actually, meaning it's yeah, meaning it's, un, yeah. it's unproducible the yeah. way it's written. Like is that like, a moment of harsh. panic? Like you have to redo it? No, because no, I no, mean, no. everything is unproducible until it's not. I mean, like <laughs> we basically what it means is okay. For from my point of view, how can we? I how can I rewrite stuff to make things smaller but the same? And how can we work with production to make things? more yeah. contained or use background elements to cheat things. Uh, and I put cheat in quotes, like how do we make it work? That's exactly, uh, yes. So the eruptions of the kids and then after the shooting and then go down to the passing, pachinko machine things, it's gonna, oh, how do oh we do that? Oh my God, so sure. okay, sure. let's do this. This one is gonna 
chocolate factory, just gonna do it one time, one cycle, and then that's it. So right. just make everybody just think it's okay. That's right. it. So. Yeah. Like an optical illusion. Yeah. That's what cartoons are, right? Yeah. Right. yeah. 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 Yep. Already, the, if they're frames per second where our brains fill in the movement, can, mm -hmm. we can also fill in geography of space. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, you totally yeah. do. Yeah. yeah, that's how we make it. We've solved yeah. cartoons. <laughs> that said, our show is uh, on season four right now, like the way you're watching, would be probably unproducible for any other show. I mean, the amount Absolutely. of the amount of stuff and assets and, and the cinematic elements that we pull off it's just because of the people that work on it. I mean, the, and, and, you know, and adult swim does a good job too, but it's, it would be unproducible for probably any other show or, or mm -hmm. certainly a, a, a young show. Uh, mm -hmm. It's very in, intense and awesome. This is awesome. It seems to come up a lot that you guys, uh, the crew seems to often go above and beyond that, oh, yeah. that, beyond what's necessary mm -hmm. they go for what's entertaining but there's tons of outtakes and everyone wants to know where are these outtakes and how do people see them are they actually animated outtakes uh there's very little stuff that we bother animating that doesn't make it into the show um there are things that get rewritten um sort of there are things that f are floating around where it's like an entire B story almost that mm -hmm. completely changed. So that stuff's animated. Um, I don't know. I guess you'd have to ask Dan and Justin. Dan? Max, ask Dan. Hey, Dan, you're on the line with us right now. How's it going? Did Dan sing that song? Who sang that song? It's Dan. Dan. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, Dan, Dan, right? Dan. Yep. Yeah. Yes. I knew it. He, he sang the Glorzo song too. Uh, <laughs> How does yeah, that come no, about no. that he decides to sing it? Does he sing it as a spec and we'll fill it in later? Does he? That's a great question. You should have our uh, amazing and talented sound people on to yes. talk about that yeah. stuff. Is yeah. it just to get ASCAP uh, revenue? It's for ASCAP revenue. <laughs> that's all you writers. That's why there's all these musical yeah. episodes and cartoons. You get two uh -huh. checks. Uh, it's the dirty little secret of the cartoon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. We're in it. We're in it for the ass cap money. That's, that's <laughs> to see the underbelly. You're on the line with the uh, Rick and Morty <laughs> Companion Podcast Live. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, um, this is John calling from Texas. Hello, John. Hey, John. Hello. What's your question, John? Yeah, my question. Uh, do you guys make a conscious effort to bring in like younger writers or, you know, just new, I guess, new blood? Uh, I kind of felt like there were a bunch of like, you know, like current like pop culture references like misuse of fuckboy, microdose, euphoria. Um, you know, I kind of feel like a spaceship thing with like a Prometheus dead space type thing. Um, you guys like try to, yeah, try to keep it young. What's, what's like the, who's like the youngest writers in the room? Uh, I mean, I think it depends season to season. We always have some young people in the room for sure. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it depends on the season and the room. Uh, but certainly we always are trying to, you know, bring in new people. We have some, we have a wide range of all extremely talented people, uh, that are range from newer writers to experienced, more experienced writers. Uh, it just depends on the season. Um, so we had some really, really great talented writers across the board, uh, on this one. 
Uh, and as far as microdosing and stuff like that, I mean, I wrote it. So I, you know, I, I, <laughs> look at me. I don't know how young I am. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we are, we watch the same stuff as everybody. So, you know, it's, uh, it's just, it, it all gets absorbed. And a lot of people probably want to do what you guys do. So the, the four of you, how would you respond to that question? How do people get to do what you do? Uh, well, I think like Kyung Hee was saying, it, um, it can feel like pure luck a lot of times maybe most of the time for me anyway. Um, but uh, there's there's lucky and then there's being ready for when you're lucky. You know what I mean? Uh, you just uh, keep working and you keep doing it. And eventually uh, you've impressed the right person or the right person makes the mistake of giving you the right job. And, <laughs> um, you know, you uh, yeah, yeah, you just put one one foot in front of the other. Yeah. It's a lot of it's a lot of luck and and then talent is the other like twenty percent, but it's uh, giving that chance. Somebody giving you the chance to show your your worth and 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 when you do get that chance to really uh, put your best foot forward and hopefully you've done your homework beforehand to really prove yourself, prove your point. But it's all about just continuing to try for that goal. I'm I didn't start. I went back to school when I was thirty eight to finish my degree and. Uh, I had written off working in animation years ago. So to come back and be able to do it now is, 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 is such a gift. So it's, it's just uh, perseverance and continuing to try and, and work hard at what you want to do. Inspiration. 100%. Yeah. I mean that what they're saying is, is across the board, right? I mean, yeah, you've you got, you got to be good to be lucky and lucky to be good, but you <laughs> more than anything, you have to be, prepared and work hard. I mean, like if you want to be a writer, the first thing that I would say is, well, the first thing I would say is don't be an asshole, be nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that's, but the, but specifically for a writing, like you got to write and you got to write and write and write and write and you're writing for yourself in the beginning and it's probably going to suck, but you have to be, you have to write so that when you meet someone that gives you a chance to read something that you have something. Um, but before you even get there, you probably need to start at the bottom as a, as a PA uh, production assistant uh, and be, you know, be grateful to be working on a show and it's the lowest position and you'll be getting lunch or restocking fridges and making coffee, but you get to learn the business. And, and again, once you, once someone gives you a chance then then make the most of it. Kyung Hee, how about you? What's your take? Um, same kind of things. I started just in between in Korea, and then um, I'm the second animator in as a uh, woman. So uh, I know I have a little have talent with the others, but um, I just kind of yeah, just step by step, and then suddenly, and then people start to notice me, and then I can do everything. So yeah, and then yeah, just kind of keep going, and whatever, just whenever you you can do and you want, and then try it. Yeah, it's nobody's perfect. And then, yeah, the luck will with you guys. So just do it. Do you think now that you've uh, successfully 
accomplished an episode with, I think, three storylines and a giant uh, god figure who crashes into a, the cervix crater of a living planet that people are going <laughs> to expect too much from now on and make everything crazy all the time? Do you want to scale it back and go chill for the next project? Uh, uh, no, maybe... No, this, we're never going to chill out. <laughs> no, actually, you know what? Actually, this this show will be my last career, actually. Yes. Yeah. I already told the producer, maybe. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So nothing's happened to wow. me, and it's going to be my last. Uh, Rick and Mori will be. Wow. My, yeah. Oh, seriously. Yes. You go yeah. out on top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jung Hee Lim, James Siciliano, Robbie Irwin. David Marshall. Thanks for coming on, guys. Yeah. Thank Thanks for having us. Thank, Thank you, you, everybody. Join us live next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern on AdultSwim.com or the Adult Swim app and ask your questions. We'll be talking about the grand finale of Season 4. Subscribe to the Adult Swim Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As always, we'd love to hear from you, adultswimpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks to Christina Loringer for producing this episode. Special thanks to Steve Levy for organizing all of this. And thanks to you, the listener, for listening. What did you think of that, Max? How'd that go? I had a fun time. I really liked uh, I really liked David talking about I almost wanted to ask him about uh, raster images versus vector. I thought it would be cool to hear him explain it. Because I feel like he would hate himself for explaining it, but then explain it anyway, and it would have been cool. It was interesting hearing him talking about the uh, rounded characters and the pointy characters. It totally makes sense, though, because, like, if you bend those limbs, like, and you yeah. don't have something round to cover up the hinges of, like, a puppet. You know, imagine if, like, if you made a puppet just out of square image. Oh, whatever. You get it. I don't have to re-explain it. I like to get into the nitty-gritty of it. Yeah. Uh, the colors, pretty good. Yeah. Some of the best colors we've had. Yeah. One more. One more next week. Can't wait. <laughs>